Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What in the world is happening on Wall Street? Economic indicators. Who knows where this is going to end up? To understand the economy, you have to understand human nature. This podcast is powered by Acast. How are you doing there? Uh, hope you're well. It's a podcast. I'm talking to my own mate, Mr. T. How are you, man? I am very good. I'm very good this week. A busy old week because of you, actually. <laughs> I know. I'm, do- I'm doing your heading. I'm doing your heading. I'm <laughs> doing okay. your heading. It's all right. We're getting there. Let's kick off with a question. What was the question? Got a question in here from David Walsh on Patreon. And he's asking, David, would you think of writing a book on the fundamentals of macroeconomics and how decisions filter down to the kitchen table, as in the xenophonic economics that we talked about? (laughs) Xenophonic economics. There don't seem to be any such books out there apart from the more academic stuff. Or would you recommend any books? Have you come across David, how are you doing? Um... Very interesting suggestion, and I think long overdue is a book about economics that really helps people. You know, John, the extraordinary thing is I've met so many people, and in actual fact, the Patreon replies are full of people said, I studied economics in UCD or UCC or whatever 10 years ago. I never got it. It was all the high food. I couldn't understand it. Yeah. And I never, I, I, I could sense that it was interesting, but I never got around to it because. Basically, you know, I talked about the blackboard economists, right? Mm. The other day, a lot of people who teach economics, I don't think understand it, right? And I really mean this. A lot of people will say the Let's best. Let's not bash too no, many no, no. economists. No, but a lot of people say the best way to actually know you actually understand something mm. is to teach it, right? Yeah. If you can actually teach it, communicate it, whatever. I think what has happened in economics is a few very very basic, difficult, unin- not particularly interesting textbooks have become the sort of Bible. Mm. And they're bashed into kids and bashed into students. Mm. And I think David's right. You know, we might write it together, John. We might do a, a chit-chat. You ask me the question, I answer. That's you know. actually a very good idea. Yeah. So you say, look, I don't yeah. get this. What does this mean? The reason he uses the expression kitchen table is I think Kitchen table economics is what it should be. I've, oh, look, economics, I said it before, is the business of your everyday life. Yeah. Right? That's it. It's like 
how you figure out the world around you. And it's very clear to me that, you know, that's a good, that's not a bad suggestion. There is a good book. He said it's a great book and it's a really basic book, right? And it's called The Economics Book. Big Ideas Simply Explained, right? And this is, I think, one of the best textbooks you can get. I'm going to just, I'm going you to... refer to that a lot, actually. And I, I, uh, as a result, I mean, Maggie, as you know, my eldest, is yes. doing um, a postgrad in economics. Yeah. And she used that book all the time as well, actually. Just as a quick reference, what's this about? Yeah. It's a really good book because what it does, it, it sets out... Who's the know, publisher of that one? Let's have, let's have a look at it, right? TK uh, London, it's written by about seven or eight people. And they take bits of economics and they explain them in one or two or maybe maximum three pages. Mm. And that's the type of reference book that somebody needs, right? Then you can get much, much deeper. I mean, basically, when I studied economics years ago, John, my degree is in monetary economics Mm. from Trinity. So I did a pure economics degree. I remember doing, you remember that ESS, BEST, it's called BEST. I remember thinking after about a year, like, man, this... I was so bad at accounting, I became an economist, right? I swear <laughs> yeah. to God, I couldn't make the things balance. That's true. And I thought, Jesus. Numbers aren't your thing. I just thought, no, I didn't mind the numbers. I didn't mind because economics, obviously, there's lots more. Just adding them up was the problem. Them up. <laughs> but I remember, I actually remember walking across Front Square in Trinity, thinking to myself, man, I didn't come to university to do accountancy. It was a, it was a sort of a feeling in, in me. Yeah. But and, and and I eventually ended up doing really highfalutin stuff and econometrics and maths and all that sort of carry on. But I still think that there is a gap in the market for this idea. Yeah. Economics made explicable, made understandable. So yeah. David Walsh, is it David? Yeah. Yep. Good suggestion. You never know. We might make an economist out of Mr. Davis before the whole thing's over. <laughs> and the thing is that anyone can become an economist. That's the thing. Anyone. Yeah. Just put your mind to it. See, and I, I'm glad that Maggie's enjoying it. She is enjoying it. Uh, see, I, I actually see you as the Mr. Miyagi of economics. Who's Mr. Miyagi? From, from karate. What are you talking about? The karate kid. Wax on, wax off. John, whatever you do in your spare time in private, nothing to do with me. Are you waxing now? That's an air pad to pass. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get on with the podcast. <laughs> hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Listen, this week, what I wanted to ask you about is a couple of weeks ago we did a whole thing on the tech companies. Oh, yeah, the Airbnb, Tesla and all these things. Yeah, yeah. all that crazy stuff. But it's interesting. I was reading that Doc Martens are going for an IPO. We got to talk about that. The humble Doc Martin. The humble Doc Martin. And in actual fact, interestingly, Biden has been inaugurated in the last 48 hours. One of his big issues is inequality, right? Yeah. How are they going to... There is a connection. Between the humble Doc Martin and inequality. And I'll tell you all about it. But first of all... There's only one thing that unites us. One thing that we all have in common. What is it? What is that one thing that unites us? It's not class or ideology, colour, creed or roots. The only thing that unites us is Dr Martin's boots. (laughs) Dr Martin gave his boots to the world so that everybody could be free. They're classless, matchless. He was just a watchman from retail for only £19.99p. You, you were a doc man. I, I wasn't a doc man I, I, I at loved, all. Yeah, yeah, but that's because you like... I like liked. comfortable shoes. I like hush puppies. And I did get a pair of docs once. I couldn't get into them, actually, because it took... Called the blister in the back of the foot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And it, it was so hard to break them in that I just kind of went, I prefer my nice little... Your hush puppies. My hush puppies and my, um, what do you call them, desert boots. Yeah, desert boots. But it's also a musical thing because you liked like, Dylan and Springsteen. And well, that Dylan wasn't of... a doc man. No, I was sure. Springsteen. No, no I was Spring. Springsteen. But if you start when we were kids, right, there was there was music that you loved. Like I remember my first paradox I bought in order to go to see the Clash. Just to fit in. To fit in, exactly. Because I was like a swatty, <laughs> a swatty rock boy, right? And they're all like scumpunks and skins and the whole thing. I want to be part of your yeah, gang. Yeah, I want to be part of your gang. What are your gang wear? Oh, you wear the dogs. And it was a pair of dock shoes, right? It wasn't proper right. boots, but I you, but once, you didn't bring yourself to kind of yeah, yeah, but, get the but, 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 but I did eventually get the dock boots, but that was later. But the Clash, nineteen eighty four, SFX. Do you remember the SFX? Nice, I do. SFX, Big time, yeah. And I went. Uh, actually, I went with Sarah Kilmartin. Do you remember her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. years ago. That was quite a cool date. Yeah. What do you want to do tonight? <laughs> Come to the Clash, darling. Okay, she's like, wow, your man's got shit oh, you're going so on. You're so smooth, Mac. You're that was so the least, smooth. The least smooth when you go in to the SFX, right? And there's a band. So the Clash is the Clash, right? Yeah. And they're also bringing all... Do you remember there were scum punks in Dublin? They lived yeah. in a squat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they all emerged out of nowhere, like from under a rock. Yeah. But there was a band called the Outcasts. We were a Belfast yeah, skinhead yeah, yeah, band. Yeah, yeah. Full on oi. Remember the oi skinheads, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm there, little Black Rock the College boy. Little, little, like... little Black Rock College boy <laughs> thinking, oh, I quite like the Clash. I quite like the. You know. But. Gleaming, shining new docks. Shining boots. new docks on me, right? <laughs> and blister plasters. And you're on always your looking heel. at me thinking, I'm not sure about this fella, right? I thought I was going to go out with an accountant. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, so we arrive at the gig. All right then. Oh, 
and the skinheads are out in force, mm. right? And they're up <laughs> the front and they're pissing and gobbing and sweating and scrapping. Like it was one of those gigs that you realised if I manage to avoid the fella pogoing in front of me, yeah. I'm okay. But if he pogoes on top of me and I react, I will get killed. I will yeah, be... Well, you need to push back. Yeah, that was the thing. Back. You need to stand your ground. Yeah, so, so I'm standing there, but of course, it was one of the great... But I did feel protected in my docks. I was part of the <laughs> well, tribe. They the toe cap, the steel toe cap ones. No, 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 I know. Come on, look, look at me. Eh? <laughs> look at me. I'm a softie. I'm a softie. But the dock was part of... What's interesting... Doc Martens were part of youth culture. They Big were, time, yeah. And, you know, it was like anarchists, it was anti-establishment, it was anti-capitalist, anti-profit. The whole idea, I mean, all the punks around here, of which there were many, but the whole idea was you said, fuck you to the system, right? Yeah. And I did in my, my little small way. And the, <laughs> and, and, and the more holes you had... Oh, yeah. You know, because there was the 12, there was the 14, 14 There was an 18-hole one, like, one, which you want to be very tall, yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. if you are very short and you rolled up your jeans and you wore the 18 holes, you look like a midget. Yeah, well, you also needed to get up early in the morning to lace all those to lace up. The whole things up, exactly. And so, but remember in the 80s, there were skins, there was mods, there was punks, there was teddy boys, there was goths, there was the nutty boys. Do you remember the nutty yeah, boys? Yeah, I do, yeah. They yeah. actually happened to be all from the noggin. Yeah. I never met a nutty boy who wasn't from the noggin, yeah, right? So true. all these were these <laughs> subcultures, you know? Do you remember when we were kids? An so, F troop. F Troop. Yeah. And the Black Catholics, do you remember them? Yes. Yeah, yeah. They they were kind of, they were more of a myth though, weren't they? They were a north side skinhead crowd. Yeah. Okay, you didn't want to mess them. Do you remember the Cabra A boys? Yeah, I do. Yeah. A Cabra outfit of mods who came down to Dunleary and got their arses handed to them by the local hard Yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. yeah, yeah. They came down to Dunleary thinking they were going down All to their Bournemouth or something. <laughs> and they got, it was like Quadrophenia <laughs> for Ireland in 1984. <laughs> So there I was. Oh my God, in, this is so good. There I was in my docks. And you were still listening to Bruce Springsteen. No, I was, like, I was Jesus. I was, I was like, the jam. Get man. into it, man. Anyway, the interesting <laughs> That's thing. That's not about, true, by the way. But anyway. <laughs> the interesting thing about John, the Doc Martin, is it used to represent anti-capitalism, mm. right? This week it is going to be floated on the stock exchange, right? Now, that's the issue. And do you know what's funny about that is if you, like the story of the Doc Martin, where it actually came from. Apparently, back way back when, there was this German soldier, a guy called Dr. Martin, and he was out skiing and he had a terrible tumble and he broke his foot. And when he was, you know, recuperating and stuff, he wants to find a boot or a shoe that could cushion his foot that was broken. So there was none around. So he invented this with his mate, and his mate was Dr. Funk. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love so Dr. Martin <laughs> and Dr. Funk. Zusammen. <laughs> but they created this boot, and it was that sole, the, the air cushion. Yeah, that's why I loved it. I loved it. Beep, bop, beep, bop. Yeah, yeah, down exactly. Your, your exactly. Yeah. And it was developed for particularly working women in factory, in the German factories and stuff. People standing on their... With the bad arches, yeah, with like the ourselves. Bad, well, yeah, Jesus, yeah. With the plantar fascia. So, so tell me. So it was, it was set for women working in factories. Yeah, and they're, they're one of their first... I was doing a little bit of reading about this, but one of their first ad campaigns in Germany was directed at women in the garden. They're great for gardening these boots. These oh, you're you're you're, ex- you're blowing you're exploding the myth of the anti-establishment duck. But it wasn't until later on that they when they bought by 
Griggs Company or yeah, something like that. Yeah, you're right. An English company called Griggs. And they they just made it as a working boot. And, you know, it was just every factory worker, every miner, and whatever. coppers used to work. Where? Coppers, yeah. yeah. So but was, that one, you, and that then it became sense. skinheads. So skinheads and coppers used to wear docks. And, you know, it was, you, you, you were a Who fan. Pete Townsend was apparently yeah. the man who actually saw a pair of docks and said, I'm going to wear them on stage. That's right. Yeah. And the Who started them, and then the mods thought, the skin mods, remember the difference of skin mods? Yeah. They yeah, started yeah. wearing them, and then they took off. So by the time we were knocking around in the mid-'80s, the dock was a thing. Right? Oh, big time, yeah. Big, yeah, big yeah. thing. What is interesting now, John, is the story of the Doc Martin is the story of financialization in the economy, and it actually leads into inequality. And it's quite interesting. So the Greek, on, explain the Greek family sell Doc Martens mm. in 2012 to a private equity outfit. Now, private equity companies in general are people who buy, usually financial fellows, right? Sort of fellows who work with me in the city in London. Yeah. They buy an asset that is failing or is cheap. They bought it for 300 million, which might not sound failing or cheap, but they're going to float it for 4 billion, Right. Well, so, okay. so think about so think about the uplift in this is extraordinary. So, one of the big problems with what I would call late stage capitalism is financialization, that everything can be resold, repackaged, reflogged, yeah. and that the whole idea is to sweat the asset, to basically take the dock, the symbol of anti capitalism, <laughs> yeah. and turn it yeah. into the most capital uber capitalist thing in the world. Right. So what they're doing is they moved production offshore in about 10 years ago to Thailand and China. Right. So, so from, from the UK. Yeah. So suddenly, their costs, they're squeezing costs, right? And what they're going to do now is float it this week on the market. But it strikes me, and this is the story, that something that was the symbol, and still is for kids, yeah. of anti-establishment thinking, has become the most establishment idea in the world and is going to make a fortune. That's interesting you talked about Dr. Martin himself. Mm, and Dr. Funk. And Dr. Funk, right? <laughs> but Dr. Martin was part of what I would call the worker boss in Germany. So in the 50s and 60s, the Germans produced all sorts of new products, mm. incredibly inventive and incredibly entrepreneurial people after the Second World War. But all those bosses were close to their workers, right? They yeah. made the products, they loved the product, they figured it out. Now the people who own, the people who own Doc Martens are the least likely people to ever wear Doc Martens, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, These yeah. are like city gits, right? In really ill-advised fashion, I suspect as Primera well. Primera or something, was it? With- some, some company like Primera, yeah. right? Yeah. But let's go to the idea here. They are going to make 12 times their investment in 10 years. So supernatural profits, Right. And given the way in which private equity deals are structured, so private equity is usually structured on a huge amount of debt and a small amount of real investment. Right. So, for example, you buy a company for, let's say, 100 euros. What you will do is you will borrow 90 euros and you will actually put in 10 euros of your own. So it's a massively leveraged idea. The reason you can do this is central banks all around the world are reducing interest rates to zero. So the cost of capital since 2008, has been hovering around 1%, 2% and back down to zero now. So it makes huge sense to have these heavily leveraged buyouts So this is, this is fueling a whole IPO. 
fueling a massive IPO market, but also, John, and we can talk about that in a second, mm. also fueling massive opportunism on the part of people who can access capital, right? right? Yeah. So if you can access capital, you can leverage up a deal. So you can buy something like Doc Martens for $300 million. Mm. You can sell for $4 billion. But if you structure the $300 million right, chances are you put in $30 million of cash. Right. And you will get $4 billion of cash in return. That Think about like this. A, that sounds like a good deal. That's a huge deal. You're talking of over 100 times return on investment, return on equity. Right. right. Now, the reason Doc Martens is the story of inequality is if you look at what has happened over the last 20 years, people who can get their hands on cash at very low rates of interest are making out hugely, whereas the workers in those factories that make the Doc Martens yeah. are seeing their actual wages yeah. decline. Yeah. Yeah. And if their wages are too high, the owners, the financial capitalists, yeah. move the factory to Thailand. So at every iteration, the people who actually make the things are getting less and the people who own the things are getting more. And it's all fueled by the policy since 2008 of reducing interest rates to try and refloat the economy. Right. So the, th the, the reason you reduce interest rates to refloat the economy is, you remember trickle-down economics, Mrs. Was, Thatcher? Yeah, and, and Reagan, was, yeah. But actually wearing docks in the 80s meant you were, that was a sign that you were anti-Thatcher. Right, right? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, of course. Yeah, so yeah. think about this, right? So Thatcher's idea was trickle-down economics, which basically will make really rich people really rich. We will coax them to spend because they're really rich. Yeah. And then that will trickle down to the plebs at the bottom and the plebs at the bottom will get a few crumbs off the table. Yeah. That was the economic model. Yeah. That's exactly the economic model now, which is what Joe Biden has to try and turn around. Because by financialization, it means those with capital become incredibly rich, but those who depend on wages from their income, so there's two types of income you can have. Yeah. You can have income from capital, which is rents, dividends, all this sort of stuff, capital gain, right? Or you can depend on wages for your income, your average worker. Yeah. And what we've seen in the last, certainly 20 years, but amplified in the last 10, is the people who depend on capital for their income have done extremely well. And the people who depend on wages for their income have fallen backwards. Right. But let's just look at the figures from the states. Mm. But they're broadly the same. And again, what we're trying to do is make the point that people who depend on capital for their income have done extremely well. And when you reduce interest rates, they do even better. Yeah. Okay. In the states, think this, the top 10% of families in the US, that's 13 million families, hold 76% the wealth of the nation, right? The mm. bottom 50%, that's 64 million families, hold 1%. Wow. Wow. Isn't that extraordinary? And the top 0.1% of earners, income has risen five times faster. Deserve than Bezos bottom, and Zuckerberg. Yeah, than the bottom 90%. Yeah. So financialization, what we see in Doc Martens is the story of financial engineering. And the problem with financial engineering is it makes the very, very few incredibly rich and it leaves the rest behind. And this is what's driving American politics. 
We talked to Bill Black, you know, the nastiness, the anger, the yeah. viciousness, all that sort of stuff. There's a very interesting quote from a Supreme Court judge, Louis Brandeis in the States. It's a really good quote. He said, we can have a democracy in this country or we can have great wealth concentrated in the hands of a few, but we can't have both. Yeah. So at its core, inequality is anti-democratic. And this is what the Doc Martin story tells you. It's bad, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, we've kind of said this before, but I always find it really odd why you would create policies that would create so much inequality. I don't understand it because even if you are Jeff Bezos sitting on top of the world and all the rest. Looking like a muscular peanut. <laughs> He's obviously got a few quid in his arse But, pocket. you know, why would you want to be super rich but live within a society that is really unhappy getting more and more agitated and violent and all this. Why do you want to create a society like that? Because this is the beginning of the end. Inequality is oh the beginning God, of the Mac. end. Oh, my God, Mac. No, inequality <laughs> is the beginning of the end. You see this it's in the nine. Roman Empire. You see all this. That basically, when you get these very high levels of inequality, yeah. either the democratic process, and this is why we talk about Biden, you know, begins to say, okay, let's change that around. Roosevelt did it. Roosevelt mm, did it. Mm, Roosevelt mm. taxed people. He said, we're in a society. We are a democracy. We can't have these levels of inequality. And they did this, right? But once you have this bizarre combination of globalization so that you can make your docks cheaper in China, yeah, right? And financialization in the West so you can amplify profoundly the value of that, what you get is a very small few people end up making a fortune. And it makes the system unstable. So we need to pull back on globalisation? I think there's no doubt that globalisation will slow down in the next while. Globalisation. Yes, globalisation. But we just got rid of Trump. That's what he was trying to do. Look, Trump, the, the mad thing about Trump is he had one or two fundamentally good ideas. One was, if you continue to source American products in cheap countries, two things will happen. The owners of those products will make more money and the American workers who were displaced, who used to make those products, will have less money. Yeah. And he was right. I mean, that's a very basic God, idea. We need Trump back. Well, I'll tell you, I, I, we will conclude, not we need Trump back. Do you remember the SFX where I saw the clash? Uh, yes, I do indeed. Do you know what that was named after? St. Francis Xavier. And do you know what happened to him? St. Francis Xavier was a Portuguese Jesuit. In the first real period of globalisation was the Portuguese going to Asia to source cheap products in Asia to sell really expensively in fucking Portugal, right? And Europe, right? And Francis Xavier blessed that trade. The Jesuits went with the capitalists. They went with the merchants right. all the way around to Asia, to Japan. And do you know yeah. what happened to Francis Xavier? He met his death in China. How? Because the Japanese, you know, the Japanese yeah. were wise to this. Japanese yeah. kicked the Jesuits out. Yeah. And of course, he goes to China to try and do the same thing, which is bless hyper-capitalism and hyper-globalization in the 16th and 17th century. I think he got a fever of some class. But right. my point is, the lesson from the SFX is not just that the clash was a great gig and the outcast <laughs> put this little swatty Blackrock College boy a little bit nervous on his date. <laughs> but there is always a reaction to something that so displaces the society. And in China and Japan, 
they reacted by kicking out the Westerners because they understood that whatever society they had constructed was mm. going to be profoundly affected by this shock from the West. Not unlike what's going on in politics these days. 